Welcome back to the People's Show. Coming to you from the Kintech studio, Bik Nazar and Israel Fair. Dominic Shamati running the show. Coming up, we'll talk to Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast for the Fantasy Pool Update. Brought to you by Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House. Your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, 1-5, and 2 projectors. The ClaytonPub.com, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you want to throw something by, DK as well. Specific stardom, sit questions, uh, get to them on the, their pod. Uh, but we love uh, some of the questions uh, coming in, 650-650. Some coming in already streaming in. You doing all right in your fantasy football leagues? Yeah, doing okay. Most notably not the uh, 650 one? No, but, uh, banned from it again. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk to uh, Danny Kelly, who joins us again from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, RingerFantasyFootball at gmail.com if you want to give him a shout. Uh, Danny, I was making the point the other day that it's, uh, you know, scoring's down this league, or mm-hmm. this season, and... This fantasy season, like what that could mean is like if you get spike players, I think we're going to see like depressed um, records across all fantasy leagues because you're just going to get more parity because if you get spike players to win you a week, it could just be totally random this year. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, it's um, there's there are definitely fewer like what we'd call, you know, legendary running backs this year, like not any. I don't think anybody's a league winner. Maybe you could argue that Saquon Barkley is going to be, but like I actually saw this. Ryan McDowell pointed this out. He is the lowest scoring overall number one running back in like 25 years mm-hmm. <laughs> through four weeks. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely concerning. Like there's a lot of different uh, variables that are kind of contributing to this. Um, but, yeah, overall offense is down. Running backs are getting less work. And, you know, I think just generally speaking, that's the direction the NFL's going with running backs. Overall, uh, with uh, four, four weeks into the season now, we're starting to get some ideas for some of these trends like like you and Vic are talking about. It's generally early to see a change, but we've seen one in Pittsburgh with, with Kenny Pickett coming in. Does that have any big impact on how you view the skill position players for the Steelers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, with Pickett coming in, it's especially exciting for what George Pickens could do because you know, coming into the season, obviously in the preseason and training camp, he was the star of the show. All the beat writers were talking about how he was just one of the most incredible rookies they'd ever seen there. And obviously, you know, in Pittsburgh, there's been a lot of good receivers over the years. So um, I think he's the main beneficiary. He, you know, Pickett is the type of guy who's willing to throw the ball down the field, put it up there for his, uh, you know, his receiver to go get it and kind of trust him to do that. Whereas, you know, Trubisky was very conservative wasn't really pushing the envelope with anything. And I think that was the reason basically Pickens was running a bunch of wind sprints all season um, up until the point where Pickett came in. And then all of a sudden they were targeting him a bunch. I think he had over a hundred yards this last week. So um, to me, I'm, I'm most excited about, to see what Pickens can do. I think that it'll probably help uh, chase Claypool too, just because he's kind of got the same go up and get it type profile, use your size to like, you know, give them, give him a chance to go get it. So those two guys in particular, I think are going to, benefit from this for sure what like trends do you see overall through four weeks so you say okay this is what's going to carry over because notoriously in the nfl because you know like they don't consider fantasy but you know four or five weeks in they start to 
detach themselves from their preseason plans and try to make changes to adapt what the reality is that they can accomplish. Uh, do you take much away from the first four weeks, or do you say, okay, now we try to evolve with the league for the next little part here? Well, I mean, I think, like, you know, if you're talking about big-picture stuff, like the too-high thing is still very much a factor, and I think that's a big reason that, you know, um, NFL offenses in general aren't playing as well, and not certainly not, like, passing the ball with explosiveness as much as they used to. So teams are using two safeties over the top, trying to limit explosive plays. This has been sort of a trend over the last few years, and, you know, you've seen quarterbacks just haven't, and as good at, at passing, like even Patrick Mahomes, like they're dinking and dunking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Allen, I think has, you know, relative, especially to what he's used to doing, he has like very few deep passes this year. Um, and so that of course affects fantasy that, that overall affects the overall, you know, like bottom line for every fantasy player. Um, so yeah, is that what you mean? Like big picture stuff? Yeah. Just like the, the, the trends that we're seeing through fantasy for four weeks, like how much, and I guess like player usage, snap rates and all that sort of stuff. Like how much is relevant for the first four weeks relative to the next nine weeks, basically. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think first of all, yeah, like the too high stuff definitely affects things. And I don't think that's going away. So that's probably here to stay for at least a little while until teams adjust. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind here is you don't want to read too much into what happens in the first few weeks, especially when it comes to, you know, young players, first year, second year players, because a lot of the time you start to see those guys sort of get ingrained in, in the offense and start to learn how to be a pro, start to learn the offense a little bit better. Um, and so that's another reason I'm actually really excited about what guys like George Pickens can do going forward. You know, I think just um, you, you tend to see the, the learning curve for rookies last like a month or two, and then they start to kind of figure it out. And so um, in the you know last three quarters of the season, especially the fantasy season, um, those guys tend to be much more valuable. So, you know, if you're excited about any of these rookies, that would be like a, now's the time to go buy low on them and kind of hope that they really break out. Geno Smith is getting a lot of acclaim. Uh, the efficiency is is there. Uh, people are yeah. are paying attention now after a month. Uh, how much, like, how real is this and how much of an impact does it have on, on him and, and the Seahawks' weapons in fantasy? Oh, man. I think it's real. I mean, it feels real. It, it looks real. You're only saying that because you just don't want to get hurt, like, personally. <laughs> it's real, DK. It's... Jump on board. <laughs> All right. I'm in. <laughs> um, the, the reason, like, I'm a little bit reticent is, of course, like, the Lions defense is one of the worst in the NFL, and so there's a little bit of recency bias. Like, oh, he's going to do this every week. But the For Lions sure. defense is just been atrocious this year. So I would not expect that level of play. However... Overall, um, the, uh, a couple of things that Pete Carroll's talked about over the last couple of weeks is, is you know, he, like, does – I think he even said this explicitly. Like, Geno Smith does what they ask him to do, which is, like, very different than what Russell Wilson does, which is he's very – you know, Russell, <laughs> big part of Russell Wilson's game is, you know, out-of-structure stuff, like breaking the pocket, running around, making something happen. Like, you know, as a coach, that's a double-edged sword because it, obviously it's good when you get – big plays down the field, but when your quarterback is not running the offense as you designed it and you planned it, I can imagine that's very frustrating. And especially when it's not going well, when it's going well, of course, that's like great. But you know, when the offense starts to struggle and the quarterback isn't running the plays that you want to run again, isn't getting the ball out on time, isn't setting up the protections correctly, isn't stepping up into the pocket to avoid sacks. um, You know, these are some of the things I think that frustrated CX coaches and part of the reason they were willing to trade Russell Wilson is just based on, you know, he's just not running the offense how they design it. That's not necessarily always bad, but, you know, for coaches especially, I can imagine being frustrating, and that's what Gino does well. He, you know, gets the ball out of time. He plays in a rhythm 
um, they've, they've been doing a lot of hurry up stuff, so like not even huddling or breaking the huddle quickly, getting some line, kind of setting things up that way. Um, everything has just been sort of like efficient and, and that's, you know, a, a big change, I think, from where in the past you see the, the Seahawks offense, basically it was feast or famine a lot of the time. Like they just, they'd get big plays or they'd go three and out kind of deal. And now you see them play down the field a little bit more like consistently consistent as I'd say, probably the biggest thing. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't get too like in a hurry to, to proclaim Geno Smith as like an elite quarterback or anything like that, but he certainly has looked very impressive to me. He's passing it all over the middle of the field. He's passing deep. Um, he's running the offense, you know, like efficiently, and that's exactly what you're hoping for. So it, I'm definitely encouraged. Uh, talking to Danny Kelly from the Ringer.com and the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, you mentioned Russell Wilson uh, in Denver, uh, a major injury there. So injury spurns opportunity for fantasy players. Uh, who are we looking at? Uh, the, the waiver wire, I guess, for a lot of teams would have gone. But like, how do you feel the breakdown has gone? Uh, it, it could go for that running back situation now that J- Javante Williams is out. Yeah, million-dollar question, I suppose. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting because – I think Melvin Gordon's going to get the vast majority of the work. And so the difference between Latavius Murray and Mike Boone, like it might just be that neither of them are really worth starting at this point. But, you know, I think both of those guys have an opportunity here to come in and, you know, be essentially what Melvin Gordon was to Javante Williams, like the, you know, the 1B kind of guy. And Mike Boone, I, I think, you know, the obvious thing would be Mike Boone was already on the roster, so they probably have a role in mind for him. Um, but Latavius Murray looked pretty darn good last week playing for the Saints. Um, it's kind of funny. He's, he's been on like a whirlwind tour. He, he signed with the saints, flew to England to play with the saints, flew back to new Orleans, then immediately gets signed off of their practice (laughs) squad, um, to fly to Denver and go play for Denver. So, um, what a weird little week for a guy who I thought was kind of retired. So, um, but he looked really good. He's got fresh legs. Obviously that's, that's important. Um, and he, and he's been a veteran runner. He knows, um, you know, he knows, he knows how to run the offense. He knows how to be a pro. And so I could see him getting, maybe a little bit of the nod uh, over Mike Boone. So the end of the day, like I, you know, not to be a fence sitter, but I think they're both probably going to get time. They're both going to get opportunities. And um, at the end of the day, neither of them might be all that like valuable in fantasy by, by like, I think Gordon will probably get the vast majority of the looks. Going back to that idea, Danny, that uh, running backs to this point haven't really popped off. Even the top guys are, are not necessarily putting up massive numbers. Is there a buy low opportunity for fantasy owners out there to target a running back or two that, that might still have the, you know, the potential to pop off, especially since if offense is down across the board, those players can be incredibly valuable down the stretch. If they, they have that ability to, to put up big numbers. Yeah. Um, I definitely think, you know, a guy like John, uh, Jonathan Williams, sorry, not Jonathan Williams, Jonathan Taylor, who was the first overall pick, um, you know, he's the type of guy that if, if, a, if a fantasy manager is getting kind of fed up with him, like obviously you're not going to get him for free, but I think he's going to have a way, way better like rest of season than he has the first few weeks. So it's just kind of been a, a number of different things. He's obviously out this week. So if you can find a guy, a, a manager in your league who's kind of frustrated with him and, you know, obviously you're going to have to give up something to get him, but I think he could be much closer to kind of like what you drafted him to be going forward. So he would be, he would be, you know, a potential bio type candidate. Um, you know, going forward. So he, he'd be the first guy in my mind. Leonard Fournette, I still think, is kind of a buy low just because the Buccaneers' offense has not been running very well. They just haven't had their receivers. You know, they haven't been all on the same page. Tom Brady hasn't been as sharp as you think. Their offensive line's been banged up. But I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. 
Um, and so he's another guy that like, again, he's got name value, but you can still get him and have kind of the best part of his season later up later on the season. Um, the third guy to keep in mind here is Brees Hall. Again, this is going back to the rookie thing. Um, as the year goes on, a lot of times you see these rookie running backs start to get a bigger piece of the pie um, and, you know, get more usage and, and be the, more of a foundation part of the, of the offense. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with Brees Hall. Like he's already overtaken uh, Carter in, in New York. And I think that that could continue to grow. Um, he's getting a ton of passes. Uh, he's getting involved in the passing game, I think, way more than anyone expected. So that's obviously very important in half PPR and PPR. So he's a, he's a third guy that I definitely kind of keep in mind by low. He's already shown off some of his talent, and I think his role is going to continue to grow. Uh, I want to rattle off some questions that are coming into the uh, text inbox here, 650-650. Appreciate your thoughts uh, coming in. Uh, This one, uh, Damian Harris or Antonio Gibson for the rest of the season? Damian Harris just doesn't seem to go away in that Patriots offense. Ramondre's obviously had success and got a lot of hype, but they're they're both functional, it seems like. Yeah, I think I would probably lean Damian Harris. I think his role is at least a little bit more secure. I don't think they're going to go away from him. Obviously, they do do a rotation. Uh, with he and Ramondre Stevenson, and, and Stevenson's been good this year, but um, I think they still like what Damian Harris brings to the table. He's he's you know kind of like the ham- the hammer for their offense. Like he just runs downhill hard, and um, I think that they're probably going to keep him involved. But whereas on you know with Antonio Gibson, I'm I'm still dubious that he's going to have a huge role this whole this whole season. Um, we've already seen his snap rates dropping rather precipitously week to week. Like I think he is down to like 40 something percent of snaps since last week. And then this is even before Brian Robinson returns to the, to the lineup here. Um, and if you remember going back before Brian Robinson, this is just the, one of the craziest stories in, in NFL this year, before Brian Robinson got literally shot twice in the leg, um, he was kind of in line to be the starter for this team. It was kind of one of the big the preseason storylines. And so, um, you know, it, it's unclear exactly how what's going to happen if, if Brian Robinson is fully healthy back from, you know, this injury. But, you know, there's a chance that Brian Robinson just turns into the starter for the commanders and, and Antonio Gibson is more like the backup to him. So I'd just be a little bit more worried about Gibson's role going forward. It doesn't feel as secure, even though right now, you know, he's been playing pretty well. Uh, we got a trade question here. I'll frame it a bit differently, but uh, Jeff Rose asking, uh, should I trade Trevor Lawrence for Jamal Williams? It's interesting because Jamal Williams' like window for success and value might be how long? Like it, it directly tied to the DeAndre Swift uh, injury. Um, I think in the short term, he's definitely like going to be a top ten running back. You know, not not definitely, but like he's got that role locked down. He's he's the volume guy. They're an offense that's of course a lot of points, surprisingly. Um, and part of the reason is their defense stinks. And so, it, you know, they're kind of one of those, those teams that's like a perfect fantasy storm where their defense is terrible. So they're always having to play from behind, but their offense is pretty good. So they're scoring a lot of points and it just turns into shootouts every game. And so um, I think even once Swift comes back though, Williams is still going to have a big role. He, he's been almost exclusively their goal line back, their red zone back. Um, and it's because he's, you know, he's, again, he's sort of like the big physical guy that they trust in, in to run the ball between the tackles. DeAndre Swift is more of like a space player, a pass catcher. And so Williams's role is not going to go away even when Swift comes back. And I don't know he's going to be – he's not going to be quite as prolific, of course, because Swift is good also. But I think, you know, regardless, he's still going to have a role going down. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, all right. 
Uh, we got one last one uh, from uh, submission from Dom and White Rock, who is in no related to uh, Dominic uh, Shamati, our producer here. Um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott as as his running back too. You know what's interesting uh, about the, the the Zeke thing, and really all running backs right now who are kind of three down backs are are they like sneakily value valuable even if they're not scoring like Zeke is right now? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's just I guess it's like a floor versus ceiling conversation, right? You know because. You know, with, with Zeke, you're, you're always going to expect that he's going to get to touch the ball. Like Jerry Jones is basically telling right. coaches, like, this is our guy. <laughs> the, the offense runs through Zeke. Like, he literally said this in the preseason. The offense is, runs through Zeke. Like, they don't – this is their philosophy. So, um, I don't ever have the fear that Zeke is not going to get touches. And so, that's, I guess, comforting at some level on fa- in fantasy world because, you know, there's just so many different players and, and running backs in particular where, you know, they could have – 20 touches in one game and then like seven in the next game. It's just so frustrating. Zeke is always going to get his touches. Um, and, you know, I, right now he's not been efficient with them. That's like clear. But I think this offense is going to get better when, when Dak gets back, um, when Gallup is more healthy, when they just have like a more wide range of, of skill players that are like healthy and playing and contributing. It's just going to take everything. It's going to take the pressure off of Zeke to like carry the offense. And so, um, I mean, we've already seen CeeDee Lamb playing a lot better. Right. He was early in the season. I think that's going to be a big help too. Like, kind of spread the defense thin. So I'm still, you know, not like I wouldn't say I'm super excited about Zeke going forward, but I'm still confident that he's going to get the touches. He's going to have better stat lines. He's going to have better scores in fantasy uh, down the stretch than he has over the first like month of the season. Just because in my mind, when I picture like the, this defensive pushback we're seeing across the league, like how do you combat that or how do offenses combat that? I think of like deception and making everything look the same and to do so like if you have the same running back back there that to me is a big benefit to say hey everything looks the same but we still might get this guy a lot of touches and someone like Zeke yep. uh, is going to be on the field a ton yeah and he's also like you know everybody I think thinks of Pollard as like the pass catcher in this offense but like he's still running a ton of routes like Zeke is Zeke is still catching passes and he's actually pretty good at it um it's kind of like Fournette, you know, like I think people just kind of assume guys are over the hill and they can't catch passes, but the team still trust these guys to do that. And the, and the quarterbacks importantly trust these guys to do that. So yeah, he's still going to get, um, he's still going to get looks in the passing game too, which is huge, obviously in fantasy. And you're right. Like with so many too high looks dominating across the league, you know, teams are going to try to run offense or run defenses out of that. Basically say, we're going to force you to bring another guy down into the box. Um, and until you do that, we're going to just run on you. Like, obviously, it's easier said than done, but I think that's going to be what you see coaches trying to do this year because it's just, like, stifling their passing game so much. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a chance here we see teams kind of, like, redouble their efforts to running in the second half of the year. Uh, hey, Danny, we always appreciate it. Uh, it's Danny Kelly from The Ringer and The Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. Uh, you can email them at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Appreciate it, man. Oh, actually, really quickly. Uh, Mariners yeah. Jays, you got a prediction? <laughs> what a setup thing. Uh, <laughs> do I want to speak to my audience here? It's going to get you're ambushing it. We right here on we, live radio. We were actually having a big debate of just like the whole Mariners Blue Jays battle here in Vancouver because there, there are Mariners yeah. fans here. I think it's overwhelming Jays, but there are Mariners fans here. So you, you, right, you right. would be speaking to your audience. Um, to be totally like honest, I don't know. I don't know enough about baseball. I don't follow it close <laughs> enough. I, I'm gonna go with the Mariners just because they're my team, but uh, I think they have good pitching. I mean, that's that's always helpful in, in the playoffs. So there you go. Um, that, that that could give them a chance for sure. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Daddy.
All right, see you guys. Danny B. Kelly on Twitter, at Danny B. Kelly. Again, Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, thanks for all the questions. Uh, if you got some more, uh, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com.